Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Easley Boxing Repeat. The place for the Northwest and boxing news, news, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. It's Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast, and it's episode number 41. Been a bit of a hectic few weeks to say the least here in my household we, we've literally done the most stressful thing that you ever do in your life well one of the most stressful things which is moving house and it's took us around about three three weeks to actually do the move due to the fact that we've had to do uh, decorating in the whole of the new house and then there's all the drama of trying to move all your stuff as you know it's, uh, it's a bit of a nightmare really but we're finally done and finally ready to get back onto the podcast the last one we did was the life and times of Angel Man Freddy Glad you all enjoyed that, it seems to go down pretty well. Really good to talk to Angel. But there's been so much that's been going on in the past few weeks. Obviously we need to cover it, we need to see what's been going down, we need to talk about some of the fights that have been happening, some of the fights that are coming up, especially this weekend, Big Bill this weekend to, to cover off. So I'm really looking forward to be back on the podcast and uh, really appreciate uh, you guys sticking by us, the listeners. I know it's been a few weeks, uh, I hope you will continue to listen to us. It's going to be a really good episode, really good to catch up with some of the stuff that's been going on. Uh, interview on this week episode as well, we've got Michael Goldie McGoldrick, MTK fighter in his second pro fight this weekend managed to catch 10 minutes with him earlier on this week, so we'll stick that on later on, but yeah, really really happy to be back on and uh, happy to get Hamed back on as well, Hamed's a man, he's back with us today, we're going to discuss everything uh, enjoy guys so, Hamed, it's great to have you back on it's been uh, quite a while since we've done this, uh, busy stuff going on in our lives as usual, but um Quite a few fights to cover uh, this this week, and and the fights that have gone in the past couple of weeks. Uh, how have you found it? Yeah, I've been 
I've been busy myself as well. But how's it going, Sean? How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I was just telling, obviously, the listeners that um, it's been busy, house moving and, you know, things of that nature. And obviously, I know you've got big things going on at your house and decorating and all the rest of it. And it's just uh, it's just pa- pandemonium at the moment for everybody. But um, it's good to get back on. Good few fights to talk about that we've missed in the past couple of weeks and uh, excited to talk about them today. Yeah, it's good to be back on. It's been a while. I've just been busy, like you just said, with painting, decorating, and it's been it's been a lot of stuff going on. Like, and it's the summer as well. You don't expect uh, like the schedule to be this busy, but uh, there's, there's a lot of fights going on. But yeah, I've been busy as well, and it's finally good to be back uh, back on. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, I think what we'll do today in this episode, uh, we want to cover off a couple of the fights that have happened, a couple of the big fights that have happened past few weeks, uh, and then we'll we'll cover off what's happening this weekend big card on this weekend match room and then just to, to sort of give our thoughts on what's been going on generally in the in the media boxing media and then um go from there really so um i think the first one we wanted to talk about that we discussed was uh, the pacquiao matisse fight a couple of weeks ago uh great to see pacquiao back in the ring really enjoyed his performance uh, a lot of people saying he's uh, back on the juice after that performance what do you think about that <laughs> Uh, I think uh, I think it's a lot of speculation. Uh, I think it's more smoke and mirrors. I wouldn't read too much into that. I think more, more needs to be. I'll come to the point a bit. I was just going to say more needs to be said about the lack of testing in his last two fights and then the suspicion over him being on PDs. I didn't see anything suspicious of him being on PDs, but I mean, I'm not a body reader, so I mean, I think he kind of looked bigger, but punching wise, I didn't see much difference from his last performance against Jeff Horn. I thought Matisse had seen better days. I thought Matisse was kind of past his best. I thought he was arguably shocked. Um, and I think uh, the eye injury or the mental fortitude of uh, him getting that injury against, I think it was Danny Garcia or Victor Postol, came into his mind. And I think, I don't like using the word quit, and I think he kind of quit. But uh, talking about juicing... Uh, I think we. I think he needs to be tested by VADA. I think there was some testing by WADA, the World Anti-Doping uh, Agency, but I don't think they have the protocols in boxing. But uh, talking about uh, the fight, I think uh, I think it was a good fight. I think um, I think it was everything I predicted on one of the podcasts I came on about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I said that. I said that I'll be surprised if this goes 12 rounds. Uh, I was right that I, I thought it'll end up in a knockout. I was saying it could end up in a cuts victory for Pacquiao or Matisse was still a puncher. I thought he, he'll get, he'll have a puncher's chance, but yeah, I was quite surprised it was all one-sided. No, I, I enjoyed the fight. It was a good fight. It was uh, good to see Pacquiao. He, he, he looked like he'd rolled back the years a little bit in this fight. And I think the comments about the, 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 the steroids and the ped use, I think he's more down to the fact that he's uh, he stopped Matisse and he's not stopped anybody for years. Is. And I think that's why a lot of people were saying, "Oh, he must be back on the he must be back on the juice now because he's uh, he's starting to stop people again." But um, I don't think you can always put that down to it. You got to put that down to like you were saying there, Ahmed, about the fact that Matisse seemed a bit conscious of uh, previous eye injury in the fight, and uh, I compare it a little bit to uh, to Kale Brook when obviously he injured his eye against Golovkin, and then he fought Spence, and then you could see the eye he was conscious about it, and then it went again the other eye this time. So it's a uh, it's mental it's a mental game. It's you know it's eighty percent of the game is mental and twenty percent physical and if you're not 100% mentally in the right place and you're conscious about something on your body it's, it's always going to come up with a telling factor in the fight and I think uh, for me that's shown on fight night and Pacquiao looked good will he will he do well in the division will he continue to reign supreme at 39 years old well I think he's got maybe another fight in him maybe another two tops but 
I don't think he'd. Uh, I think he'd struggle against some of the uh, younger lions in the division. I think you know the likes of Spence Junior and uh, Crawford and uh, maybe even Lomachenko. They've they've touted that fight in the future. You know that's a, a fight you wouldn't have thought may have happened a couple of years ago, which could be on the verge of happening. You know sometime in the next twelve months. But yeah, uh, really good. Enjoyed it. Uh, got to see Pacquiao. A lot of people didn't want to see him back. A lot of people wanted to see him retire. But he's, he's the guy's a legend. Eight weight eight weight world champion. You can't really argue with that, and to be able to do it at 39 years old, I mean, look at Hopkins, look how long Hopkins went on for, winning world titles at like 47, 48 years old, beating opponents that were like 15, 20 years younger than him. It just goes to show you that, you know, sometimes there's still a little bit of gas left in the tank, and uh, Pacquiao's shown he's got a little bit left to give. What do you think? I think... um I'm just going to sip, uh, go back to to one of the points I think you made. Uh, um, people are speculating him being on the juice because uh, he hasn't had a KO in uh, is it eight or nine years since I think it was it 2009. Yeah, think about the the Hatton one. No, I think it was the later one. I think it was the Cotto one in November 2009. But I'll say this one thing: he did drop uh, Chris Algieri. I know Algieri is um, probably not an elite uh, an elite opponent, but he's still a world champion, and I thought he. I think he dropped him about six or seven times and I think I thought that fight could have been stopped and I think it should have been stopped uh, in the ninth or tenth round when he got dropped heavy and I also think Margarito could have stopped I thought that that fight went on too long and Pacquiao yes. kind of ruined his career because he closed both his eyes I was just going to say um, you got to look at Matisse's track record his last couple of fights uh, since the defeat to Postel where he got dropped and he kind of kind of gave up because I think his eye got went again in that fight. Since then, he's beaten Emmanuel Taylor was a career best, I think, lightweight or junior welterweight. And uh, in that fight, I don't think he looked that good. And again, another fight he won was against, uh, I think it was Kiram, Irish guy. And he didn't look that good in that fight. I thought he was losing about four or five rounds after the first six. And then he, I think he um, just clipped him and uh, Kiram went down heavy and he got knocked up. Uh, Matisse looked shot in both those fights. Uh, now, looking back, He's been dropped by Postal and he got dropped by Garcia and he got dropped about two or three times by John Molina as well in his first comeback fight since the Garcia defeat, which was his first defeat. Uh, I don't think I'll read too much into the PD speculation. I'll say one this one thing. Uh, I think Pacquiao needs to do drug tests for his next fight. I think we need we want to see consistency. And if we're going to be objective, then uh, his last two fights, which haven't been in America, have both not done stringent violent testing. I think uh, again Jeff Horn last year in Australia and this year against Matisse in Malaysia. So I think we need to see that. As for going forward, I don't think uh, Pacquiao should retire. Yeah, I think I'd like to see him, I agree with you, at least two or three more fights. Uh, I think he's still got a lot, a lot left in him. I think uh, I think he should stay away from Crawford and maybe Errol Spence. I think the Lomachenko fight is interesting. Depends on the weight. I think if it's at 140, that is a very interesting fight. I don't want to see at 147, obviously, because I think Lomachenko's weight too small and I think even at 135 I think we could get a scenario where Pacquiao and De La Hoya when they fought when De La Hoya just uh, found it too difficult to cut that much weight off another fight I'd like to see is maybe Khan if he could beat the Vargas and Pacquiao but I think a Pacquiao-Thurman fight is not uh, dead in the water I think that's not a bad fight I think a couple of years ago maybe last year the year before I would have said uh, to Pacquiao stay away from the three young hungry lions but Thurman hasn't fought since uh, last I think it was last uh, 
miles since he beat Garcia. So I think that's an interesting fight. But I'd like to see Paco at least fight uh, two more times. Well, on that same night, uh, another victory, which uh, people weren't expecting, was Rocky Fielding beating Tyrone Zoyga to become the WBA Super Middleweight Champion. I watched that fight live on Sky. Uh, I, I wanted Rocky to win. Obviously, you know, being British, you want to support your home contingent. And um, he just went out there and uh, did a job. And, and he won. And I was just like, you know what? A few months ago, you know, I wouldn't have said Rocky Fielding would become world champion. In fact, I think I said in one of the podcast episodes earlier on that I don't know if I'll ever see him get past uh, sort of European fringe world level. And, you know, I'm eating my words right now because he went out there and uh, he beat Tyrone Zoga, who, to be fair, didn't look like he wanted to be there from, from the off. I don't know if you give and not taking any away from away from Rocky there, but he just didn't look like he wanted to be in there at all. But Fielding did a number on him for me. You know, he uh, he controlled the pace of the fight all the way through it, and he, you know, every time he seemed to hit him, he seemed to hurt him, and that seemed to be a telling factor going into the the fifth and final round where he started to really put it on him and you know got the stoppage. And I was I was I was really chuffed for him. Don't get me wrong, I was eating my words, but I was very very chuffed for him. I'm really happy that you know he was able to prove a lot of people wrong, including than myself so hats off to him for, for winning that, that title and it was funny to see Jürgen Bremer in there you know he looks like he uh, wanted a bit of a go at him maybe he wants a future fight with him Jürgen Bremer there another one at 38 39 year old still wants to uh, give it another shot nothing no, no one putting it against him that he can't do it but there you go Rocky Fielding WBA champion uh, was you expecting that one Hamad? Uh, I think that was a big upset. Uh, I think we've got to give credit to Rocky Fielding. Congratulations for going on the road and beating Tyron Zerga. I think uh, as far as the belt is concerned, I don't think many people consider that as a major belt. Like They consider it as a second-tier belt, but not, uh, nothing, to ta- uh, nothing to take away from uh, Phil Rocky Fielding's achievement. He's still a world champion. I mean, that, that's on the organization. I think, uh, I think it was a good performance. I thought he was losing the first two rounds I think maybe three I can't really remember I had about three one I think after four rounds or I think it could have been two two but I think it was a great comeback and I thought it was a good KO I'm not too sure what to draw away from it in terms of uh, Zoiga's performance uh, I think mentally he looked like he wasn't there like uh, and he looked like he just uh, he didn't he didn't fancy the job but I, I'm not too sure if that's down to Rocky Fielding just being better than him on the night or if there's something going on because I think the Sky Punditry uh, Paul Smith and I think Darren Barker touched on it and I, I I'm not too sure if Zoiga was really that good I don't think he was a lead super middleweight um, uh, I'm not too sure what to draw out of it I think it was a good win and I think we'll uh, just give uh, we should just give Rocky Fielding his credit because I think not many people expect him to do that and I think he's probably in for a chance to uh, fight some of the big uh, big names in the division yeah no definitely in with a chance to fight yeah. big names in the division now but um, <laughs> I'm going to start putting him down here already but I, I honestly couldn't see how he could beat some of them bigger names in the division um, I'd love for him to go out there and prove me wrong again but you know when you think about super middleweight division it's um there's a lot going on there's a lot of great fighters in there at the moment I mean you've got the World Boxing Super Series final which looks like it's going to be September by the sounds of it Uh, Smith and Groves you know they've got that one could you really see him beating one of them two obviously he's been beat off Smith blew away and run around off Callum Smith Um, could you see him beating any of them two again I I really don't know Uh, and in terms of uh, that division I, I struggle to sort of see him 
you know, picking up any more titles in there. And I think um, the, the smart money would be on, you know, putting in some routine defences really to kind of uh, keep him keep him champion before they kind of try and move him on to one of the bigger fish. I'm not saying he definitely can't beat any of the other champions, but I do struggle to see how he could go on to to, to to become an elite fighter in that division given the the you know the talent pool that's there at the moment but fair play to, to swim for what he's done he's gone over to Germany he's, he's he's beat a German in the hometown you know that, that that's what you want really you can't really get better, any better than that it's a very sweet victory for him and uh, looking on social media a few days afterwards had a massive party for him back in his uh, back in his hometown which was really good to see and uh, you know fair play to him uh, for that Tyrone Zeiger I always thought he was probably the weakest of the super middleweight champions uh, Paul Smith if he would have been a little bit younger maybe Paul Smith would have beat him but I think you know we've talked about Paul Smith before and uh, having undeserved title shots and I think that was definitely his undeserved title shot but no fair play to Rocky Fielding um, do, could you see him beating anyone else in the super middleweight division I mean when you talk about the bigger the bigger guns in there do you think he'd have a chance against any of them uh, I think uh I think it's a, that's an interesting question. I think it depends who he fights. Uh, I agree with you. I think uh, Zoiga was the weakest champion. I'm not too sure if many people consider that a legitimate belt. I think it's more of a second-tier belt. But it, nonetheless, it is a world title. Uh, I think George Groves is the champion. I think the IBF is vacant because I think the girl vacated it. Yeah, um, Callan Swift and George Groves will be fighting. I think he's lost to Smith, so I don't think many people want to see the rematch. Uh, I think the fight maybe with James DeGill might be interesting. I, I think he could beat maybe James DeGill. I don't think I'd favour him or make him the favourite, but uh, I mean, uh, it depends. I, I'm not too sure what DeGill has got left in the tank. Uh, as for the rest of the division, uh, I think maybe someone like Us Kategi, if I'm pronouncing his name right, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he'd probably be the future IBF champion. I, I think... Uh, uh, Fielding probably underdog against a lot of these guys but I mean he's done well to get the world title I mean it depends what he wants to do now if he wants to just rack up a couple of defences or if he wants to cash out against uh, one of these guys in a big uh, super fight then it'll be interesting because I mean super middleweight division you've got a lot of big uh, British uh, uh, world title champions slash contenders or ex-champions I mean DeGale Groves and Smith so I mean he could choose one of the three if uh, DeGale is free and wants to challenge him then I mean that won't be a bad fight uh, I mean Eubank is still around I think uh, I think I'll, I'll definitely give him more of a chance uh, in his next fight because I think he kind of took me by surprise uh, I didn't really make any predictions but I didn't think he could uh, win that emphatically the way he won with a knockout in Germany was quite impressive yeah no it was we'll see what happens with Rocky Field then I mean you know we can make as uh, many different predictions as we like here but it's, it's only really going to see what happens with time to be honest I mean is Gilberto Ramirez WBO champion there 38 you know yeah. another fighter to consider I mean that could be a good fight for him you know a fight that uh, could be a possibility in the future good unification fight maybe but let's have to wait and see uh, how it plays out and whether or not we get any routine defences and then maybe that big fight that you know the cash out fight or maybe you never know he might really improve and uh, might see a win but fair play to him really chuffed for him really happy with him he made me eat me words uh, I'm glad he made me eat my words because I was uh, genuinely really chuffed for him uh, but moving on then uh, going back to uh, last weekend two big fights on last weekend and I think there's only one place I've got to start with really and that's uh, Alexander Usek and Murat Gassiev World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight final undisputed champion 
Usek, what a dominant performance that was from him. What a dominant performance. That's all I've got to say about that. That was that was world class. I think for me, he won every round. He, he literally won every single round. He bossed that fight. And I weren't expecting that to go down the way it did. I actually predicted that um, he would win over 12 rounds. And I would have expected a few more rocky moments. He didn't get the rocky moments, but he won over 12 rounds. So I'm partly right. But he was just really dominating fashion. And then, obviously, the call out of Tony Bellew. And then there's people even going as far as to say, you know, he could he could mix it up at heavyweight with people like Andy Joshua. He's got that type of style that could give people like Joshua problems. So loads of speculation going on after this fight and loads of talk about it. But going back to the performance, Hamed, what did you make of it? Um, I got to agree with you. That was a fantastic performance. I mean, just take away the... Uh, take away the belt, the uh, trophy, and the final, all that to one side. Just look at the fact, uh, the disadvantages and the fact that they were in play. I mean, he was on the road in Gassiev's hometown. He's fought to the big puncher, and he managed to put on uh, arguably a shutout. I-, I scored 11 rounds to one. I gave Gassiev, I think it was the seventh round. I think I looked up on stats. I think only one round Gassiev outlanded him. I think it was the second round, but I don't think Gassiev won that round. I thought Dusek uh, stuck to his tactics from round 1 to round 12. I thought maybe for a couple of moments here and there where he kind of, uh, I wouldn't say uh, switched off, but I think he kind of took a breather. Apart from that, I think he was fantastic. I think he put in the performance of his lifetime. I think a lot of people are underestimating and misjudging his performance against uh, Bredis in the semi-final, but I think maybe fought down to his level or maybe that was just a clash of styles. In this fight, I think that was a very meticulous performance and I think that was probably one of the greatest cruiserweight performances in, in, in a big title fight because this was arguably the biggest cruiserweight fight ever and what Usyk did was take a very well, uh, let's not get it wrong, a very well worthy champion in Garcia a big power puncher uh, took him to school and made him look very average and ordinary and a lot of people now I think have uh, kind of uh, getting the wrong end of the stick and uh, trying to discredit Usyk's win by criticising I think or maybe over criticising Gassier for his calibre of uh, opposition in the past or his resume but uh, Gassier was a well documented uh, opponent in that f- final he was w- a worthy opponent and a worthy challenger because that fight I think a lot people had it 50-50. I think Usyk was the natural favourite. I'd say one, two things. Uh, take it away after the fight. I think Gassiev maybe is quite limited in a couple of aspects. I think... Um I don't think he's as a fluent boxer his footwork is as good as uh, maybe some people thought. I don't think he's uh, as pedestrian. I think he's kind of pedestrian at times and I don't think he's as a good boxer as Usyk. And uh, Usyk showed... I'd say one thing um, regarding Usyk going forward. I think Usyk uh, could stay a cruiserweight. I, I'm not too sure if he wants to go up straight to heavyweight. I still think that he could stay a weight class because, I mean, the guy that uh, Gaskev beat uh, to become a world champion Lebedev he's still around I mean there's Tony Bellew he called out but I'm really excited uh, and looking forward to what Usyk does next I think pound for pound he's one of the best fighters in the world I got him number three now behind I think Lomachenko and Crawford uh, I think uh, looking back at his performance I think um, Gassiev I would uh, 
put some blame on that performance. I think Gassiev was uh, quite bad uh, in a lot of those rounds for majority of the fight. He was quite predictable and one-dimensional, but I'm not too sure if that's to do with how well Usyk's footwork and how well uh, his ring IQ in the fight was, because he was phenomenal, I thought, for majority of the fight. And uh, that was a very good performance. And he could be arguably the greatest cruiserweight that we've ever seen. He's up there with Evander Holyfield and maybe David A. I think he might have eclipsed his uh, achievements now, but... Going forward, I think he will be a major player in the heavyweight division if he decides to move up either next or in the near future. Future for him, then. Uh, let me think about that. Tony Bell, you next? Yeah, I'd like to see it. Yeah, I think it can happen, and it sounds like they're already going into negotiations for it. I think it'd be a really great fight, to be honest, if it happens. I think it'll uh, it'll go one way or another. It'll either be uh, uh, another good performance from Usyk, and he'll have box Bellew, or Bellew will uh, put the pressure on him and uh, maybe take him into deeper waters than, than what he's been in for a long time. And, you know, people arguing that you may even stop him. And I think it's a bit 50-50 on social media at the moment, Ahmed. I think people are saying... Tony Bellew wins by knockout or Usyk wins by points and I think that's the way they're going with it but then there's the the question of whether he'll just jump past that and go straight to heavyweight if that fight can't be made could he stay at cruiserweight? Absolutely he could dominate that cruiserweight division because I don't think other than Tony Bellew I'd give anyone else uh, a, a reasonable chance against him now I think he's shown he is the best in that division he probably has eclipsed David Hay in terms of what he's achieved now in in very short space of time because we've got to remember he's only got 15 fights that's only his 15 fight and, and he's unified the cruiserweight division you know, I mean, yeah, he had a really storied and successful amateur career to go, and that, that that kind of proves, you know, that having a big amateur career as he did and achieving what he did in amateur background has really, really transitioned well into into pro boxing. The same with people like Lomachenko. You know, we've seen how he's transitioned really quickly and in a short space of time done what he's done. So it just goes to show you that having that amateur pedigree is is absolutely vital, I think, for for boxers these days because it's transitioning over really, really well. Uh, but Usyk's future, uh, either Bell you or a move up to heavyweight and maybe we'll see him you know quite quickly fight a top 10 fighter and I think he could probably give anybody problems I mean he's not a concussive puncher he doesn't seem that way but he does seem like he can he can just outbox you he's got the footwork the movement for a big guy you know he's he's, he's really good really really good and he's definitely broke into that top 10 I mean box rec have got him at number seven pound for pound best in the world so he, he just goes to show you what he's achieved is uh, is really getting noticed now and uh, it's really good to have a unified cruiserweight champion it won't stay very long unified because we know how the governing bodies work and how quickly they'll uh, they'll try and make him defend the title before they end up stripping him of it so we'll just have to wait and see what happens with, with Usyk but yeah great performance I'd really enjoyed the yeah, fight I, yeah, I was just going to chime in he's undisputed champion now and he's got all the four belts IBA WBC WBA WBO and I think he's got the ring magazine belt as well I was just going to say uh I think you made a very good point, and I think I forgot about this. Uh, it's good that you made it, because uh, it's a very major factor in the fight. I think it kind of showed. I think Gassiev had a lack of um, amateur experience, and Usyk had an extensive uh, amateur experience. He was a gold medalist. I think he uh, was a two-time Olympian. I don't think he medaled in the 2000, uh, 2008 oh, Olympics, but I think he was there. And I think he won the gold medal in 2012. But, I mean, just look at the achievements. I mean, becoming a world champion in, I think, eight or nine fights, being a unified champion in 13 or 14 fights, I think, and becoming the undisputed lineage cruiser with champion in 15 fights, I won in the Muhammad Ali Trophy. I mean, this is a great achievement. I think some people are giving him 
a lot of credit and deservedly so. I, I still wouldn't put him number one at the moment. I think if he could go up to heavyweight and maybe win a world title, I'd put him probably number two uh, pound for pound. If he could clean out the heavyweight division, then he's number one, no doubt. Because, I mean, that would be a major achievement to beat some of those big boys who are big knockout punches. I think that would be a great achievement. But I think, looking back at the fight uh, for Gassiev, I think Gassiev was quite one-dimensional. I think his footwork was... Uh, shown to be exploited. I think he was a bit flat-footed. I think the game plan from Abel Sanchez was bad. I'm not too sure if Abel Sanchez is an overrated trainer, but I think he was a bit disappointed. I mean, the tactics were not good. I mean, after around five years, asking Gassiev, does he want to quit and does he want to throw in the towel? I mean, that's very disappointing in a huge fight. So I think criticism needs to be shown towards Gassiev's corner, definitely, and Gassiev, obviously. It reminded me a bit of Canelo and Floyd when they, Mayweather when they fought and I thought Floyd Mayweather won about 11, 12 rounds and uh, it was just I thought uh, the experience and I thought uh, Ring IQ just showed too much I think there was just a level to uh, the two fighters and I don't think don't think it the wrong way I'm not saying Gassiev's a bad fighter I just think Usyk is such a special fighter but I think Gassiev kind of made it easier for Usyk as well he didn't he didn't do what he had to do. I think he was uh, going in the same direction. He wasn't going to the body, and I think he was giving away too much. Uh, too much. I said he was giving away too much time and space to Usyk. It was a bit like Canelo. I thought against Mayweather. I thought he decided to try and outbox Mayweather rather than try and fight him or draw him into a fight. And uh, I still give Mayweather a lot of credit. I think he kept that fight in the middle of the ring, but it was similar, very similar. I think the footwork won it for both Mayweather and Usyk. But going back to Gassiev, I think the amateur experience definitely showed that. I think a lack of amateur experience, it doesn't help. And I think Gassiev had about 10 or 20 amateur fights. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and, uh, I agree on all the points, really. I think it's, uh, you kind of said it as it is, really, on that one. Um, but let's move on. Let's go into the other big fight of the weekend, then. Uh, it was Jamie Mungwai against Liam Smith. Liam Smith travelling over to America, trying to recapture the WBO title unsuccessfully. But I tell you what, it was an absolute ballsy performance from Liam Smith and there was a lot of people again, social media as always saying Liam Smith going to be dismantled within six rounds people even put bets on that and uh, actually he's shown some absolute balls to stay in there for the distance yes he uh, he got a little bit pushed around from pillar to post throughout that fight however he did show that Munguia has still got a lot to learn he showed there's some flaws in his game he showed that he can be hit when he wants to be hit and uh, I think that's for, for, for Munguai I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great learning fight massive learning fight for him because you know now they can look at the, the, the flaws from that fight and, and the way he was hit so easily because he won't be able to get away with that you know when he does step in with bigger well well known names in that division not to say Liam Smith isn't because he is a former champion but I mean in terms of like your real real big fighters you know the the, 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 the pay-per-view marquee stars of, of the division I think that's when you know he'll need to be uh, really on his game but we've got to remember he's only 21 years old and he's just gone in there with 30 year old Liam Smith you know he's been in there he's done the rounds he's been the world champion uh, he's trying to recapture that and uh, he give him some questions to answer and I think he answered them on the night and uh, good performance from him really I think he uh, good learning fight you know that's what, what we needed to see 
because uh, we've seen the knockout uh, in his last fight and I think it was uh, a knockout that nobody was expecting against Saddam Ali and I think this this has now shown that he has got a lot more to his game and it wasn't just a one-off so I'm looking forward to seeing where Jamie Mungwai his career goes uh, Liam Smith I struggle to see where that goes from now you know will he ever get another shot at a title well his last name's Smith so it's quite possible he might get another shot at a world title sometime soon um, but all jokes aside I, I do struggle to see you know who else he could potentially capture a world title from in that division because it is a uh, pretty pretty decent division especially with people like Charlo in there and uh, Brooks up there at the moment as well and uh, Jarrett Hurd so <laughs> difficult division maybe you could get one more big marquee fight for himself Liam Smith but Mungwai wow yeah I could see him going in with the Charlos I could see him going in with Hurd could see some cracking fights in him for the future but going back to you Hamed talk to me about the fight how did you feel it went did you feel Mungwai's sort of coming of age now I think you touched uh, a lot on the fight. I think the actual fight that speaks for itself is probably the best fight of the weekend. I think the Usyk Gassiev fight, for some people, they, they didn't really appreciate the Usyk's performance. I understand in a way it was kind of one-sided. And I mean, for the casual fans, probably end up, I think they were saying that it was a boring fight. I just think it was more of a purist fight. I yeah. think Usyk did put on a performance and threw near a thousand punches. So I wouldn't call it boring, but it's more of a chess match and a boxing match. And it's a very, very one-sided. This fight, I think, was a very good fight. I, I don't think uh, it was a fight where you, anyone could call it boring. I, I thought Smith done really well, very well in the first three stanzas. I gave him the first three rounds. I thought he was winning the first three rounds, but I think Mungaya's pressure just showed in the end. And I, I think it was kind of probably the best action of the weekend. Uh, I'll say one thing about uh, Smith. I was just going to say I agree with what you just said about. Uh, I don't think he'll become a world champion now because. It'll be a tough ask. I mean, that was probably his best opportunity because I think, I think it was a very good matchmaking. Uh, I was kind of uh, I had my speculations if the, uh, if the fight would probably end up in a I, I wouldn't say a blowout, but I had no questions if it'll be like uh, ending a knockout or a dominant uh, a victory for Mungia, but. I was kind of uh, also cautious about how Mungia would react to someone like Smith, who's uh, who's known to be a durable guy, uh, shown against Canelo. And I think uh, Mungia answered some questions. I think he's still got a lot to learn. I think Smith kind of uh, exploited a couple of stuff. Like He's still young. I wouldn't say he got exposed. I think that's maybe a strong word. But I think uh, there's a lot to learn from uh, Mungia. But as for the fight, that was a great fight. Uh, I think um, it's probably the best fight of the weekend, as I said. I think... Uh, was a clear winner and yeah, it's probably one of the most exciting fights of the year so far I'd have to say I I was very impressed with that fight I was, uh, stayed up for it and I thought it was uh, a very good action packed fight I, I thought Smith won more than one round I don't know if he was one or two judges and I think HBO's Harold Lederman gave uh, Smith one round I thought he won the first three rounds you could arguably give him four rounds I think that was a great injustice uh, I don't see how uh, I don't see how you could give him that few of rounds uh, it was a very good fight it was action packed but, uh, I'd like to see more Mungia. As for Liam Smith, I, I'd like to see him maybe fight someone like Cal Brook or maybe even Khan. I mean, I'd like to see more of Liam Smith in a, maybe a domestic, a big domestic fight. Maybe against Cal Brook. I think Cal Brook has just pulled out his last fight with Brandon Cook. 
But as for Mungi, I think he's still got a lot to learn. I think he's lunging a bit. But I think uh, action-packed value-wise, I think Mungi is one of the fighters you want to watch. And I think HBO will definitely be putting him on a lot of these cards and trying to market him a lot. I think there's been a lot of hype, but rightly so. I think we uh, dismantled uh, Saddam Ali in his first world title fight, who I thought was a kind of a blown-up. But I think it was a welterweight, a junior welterweight. But uh, Mungia's style is very exciting. And even in that fight after five, six rounds and he was missing when he was getting caught, he was still coming forward and landing huge left hooks. And it was a very great fight. And uh, I might try and rewatch that fight. I thought it was a very good fight. And I think Smith... Uh, didn't uh, lose any. Uh, didn't lose any discredit. Though I think he deserves credit. I think in that fight, uh, I think he done himself justice. Is what I meant. And uh, that was a very worthy challenge you put on. A very good fight, I thought. Yeah, no, I, I I'd agree with what you say. Um, I don't really have anything to sort of disagree with you on this one, Hamid, because I think whatever you, what you said there is is kind of the nail on on the head situation with it all and. Uh, we got to see, you know, how both of the respective careers turn out now. Um, quite excited for, for Munguia's performances in the future, you know, the types of fights he can get in. Liam Smith, domestic fight, yeah, definitely take a domestic fight with Kel Brook. I think that'd be a good one for both men. It'll be a good crossroads fight for, for Liam Smith and uh, both and Kel Brook as well, really, because they're both at a similar age, 30, 31. So, you know, I think if uh, they've got a lot to lose if, uh, you know, that fight was made and uh, one of them lost it, I think it'd be sort of... End of the end, end of curtains, curtains really for for both of them. I think if they lost that one, I don't think there's any way back for them if, uh, if that ever happened. But uh, no, great fight. Uh, probably the the more uh, exciting fight of the weekend in terms of what what casual audiences would like to see out of boxing. Uh, more of a purist fight from the use of gassier fight, as you say. So. Uh, Good weekend again for boxing. Um, but before we move on to next weekend's action, which uh, is coming up very shortly, we've got a quick interview from MTK Promoted, Michael Goldie McGoldrick, which I conducted a little bit earlier on this week. Just caught him uh, before fight night on Friday night, which is tomorrow night. So I'll just stick that interview on for you guys now. Have a quick listen. He's currently uh, going into his second professional fight. Um, have a good listen to him. Give him a follow on social media. I'm going to put that on for you now. So we've got Mike McGoldrick, Goldie, as you called. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing well, mate. Just finished up training camp now for my second professional fight, so uh, raring to get in the ring now. So talk to me then, Goldie, about a, a day in the life of yourself. I know you've been doing uh, like a bit of an MTK Instagram takeover the, in in the past week, uh, but I'd like to sort of hear from yourself what what a day in the life uh, of, of yourself is like training for a fight. Well, fortunately, I was off work the uh, the day I did the uh, MTK takeover, so I was, I was able to, to record some of my day a bit better than normal. But I have got a day job as well, so a typical day for me just be getting up in the morning, doing my run, which I'm pretty sure every boxer does in the morning. Um, if you can't do that, I'll do it on my lunchtime, um, and then uh, after work I'll pick up. Uh, uh, Liam Conroy, English champ, and we'll uh, drive down to MTK, which is an hour and a half drive, and um, just do about an hour after two hours training there, and then drive home. By the time we get home, it's about 10 or 11 o'clock at night, so I'll grab a quick bite to eat and go to bed. Um, most of my day revolves around thinking about food, when I can eat next, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> We've just been talking about that before, haven't we? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I was just saying, like, my, me personally, there's no way I could uh, could do what you guys do in total respect to it, but also to- total respect to the fact that you uh, have to try travel an hour and a half as well like obviously a lot of fighters you know, try to base themselves uh, around the area where they're training you know to be able to be there but yeah. then there's fighters like yourself and I know there's other fighters out there that do it as well but an hour and a half 
just to go to training and then and obviously an hour and a half back it's a bit of a journey that isn't it yeah yeah well um i did i did because i used to be a contractor i did actually try and get a job near the gym but um one came up in my hometown and, and traveling with liam took the edge off it a little bit so yeah an hour and a half down the motorway all the way to preston from the lake district and we normally get get through some good topics in the car with liam everything about boxing the domestic scene the world scene and all that but it, to be honest with you it's, it's the only like sort of hour or two hours of the day where i'm not sort of busy or sorting something out for boxing it's just time when i can chill and, and have a crack i quite look forward to it now <laughs> bit of a uh, bit of a mental break isn't it for the busy lifestyles that yeah. everybody leads I mean, yeah i mean as, as the other boxers that are probably listening know like you, when you're doing your ticket sales and, and like sorting out like your coaches and, and stuff like that you, you're just non-stop busy all the time get, getting money off people dropping stuff off then you've got training and eating and all that so that little two hours in the car is quite a nice little relaxing journey sometimes and obviously you're training over at mtk manchester uh, what's life been like uh, since you've been training there because the last time we spoke i think you'd not been there too long had you yeah, I only started left down at MTK last year. Uh, I'd been a couple of times with four private sessions uh, and just liked, liked the training, really. Um, I feel like I've developed quite a lot technically um, under Johnny Roy because um, he's a, a very technically-minded coach um, and I just feel like a much better boxer. I feel more confident um, in my fitness and in my ability and stuff now. And it, I feel like it's going to be one long process and I'm not the finished product yet. So um just been enjoying it. And uh, obviously, we've got good sparring down there. Like Liam's down there, Liam Conroy, we've got a couple of amateur lads one of them's a national champion uh, we're constantly getting other MTK lads in we've even had the likes of Martin Murray and, and Rocky Fielding down there I haven't sparred myself yet but I've had the pleasure of watching Liam sparring and stuff so we get good sparring good training and, and what more could you ask for I've had a boxing gym really it sounds like uh, it sounds like it's going well like I said since the last time we spoke and you don't only sort of just we're getting in there getting to know everybody you know getting a feel for the place and obviously you'd always known Liam from, from before there so it was it was kind of good to get a feeler for the place and it's good it sounds like if to me that you you're really settling in well you get good guys going in there like you say you've got the likes of martin murray and rocky field and you just yeah. won, won won the world title you know last exactly, weekend yeah. so it's a uh, world champion now isn't he? exactly yeah so you're getting the likes of these guys coming down there as well and and you know watching from them and you know hopefully in the future you get to share the ring with these guys and get that extra yeah, extra experience as well behind it uh, so like you yeah. said earlier then uh this is your second professional fight your first one was at the end of March at the Preston Guildhall this is the second one we're at the Macron Stadium this Friday night looking forward to it I can't wait to get in the ring and fight. It's a total. It's a total. Um, it's the opposite. When I was an amateur, I was a little bit, always a little bit nervous, especially when I was younger. About the sort of leading up to fight night, and you get that feeling if you just want the ground to swallow you up and sort of thing. And I, I wasn't one of those, one of those amateurs that was always looking forward to it. I was, I loved my training, and then come fight night, I was always a bit nervous. But I think that's totally changed since I've been at MTK and all. Just with the, I'm, I'm a lot older, I'm more mentally strong now, and and the way that I've been training with Johnny, I'm more confident into my ability and my skill um, and my fitness levels and now I just I'm every time I'm just buzzing to get in the ring the training camps are long and you just can't wait to get in the ring at the end and box so you're boxing Calamide uh, on Friday Calamide uh, one of Kieran Farrell's fighters uh, quite well known for fighting on the road uh, he's been in with some uh, with some good fighters uh, over the past 12 months you know there's some local guys that he's been in with uh, he's been in with the likes of Jack Cullen uh, he's been in with yeah. Dwayne Sinclair you know these are all, all guys that are classes sort of up and coming pro 
prospects at uh, their stages of their career. So, you know, he, he isn't a slouch. He is a guy that fights on the road. His record probably doesn't do him a lot of justice, but he's got a lot of experience behind him. And obviously you're coming into your second professional fight with, like you said, the amateur experience. The, the, these types of fights important at this stage of your career. These are the types of fights like this is where you gain your invaluable experience. Well, it is for me because I, I think I've said to you before, I didn't have a, a, a vast amount of amateur fights anyway. I trained for a long time and fought once or twice a year, which is not, not very active at all for an amateur um, over the course of sort of 10 years. But um, So, so when, I, when I do uh, have these professional fights, it's about, uh, well, the first one was about getting in there and fighting on a professional show and, and sort of getting over them first initial nerves and, and seeing what it's all about and getting in all like the ticket side of things and, and going far rounds. I managed to go far rounds of a tough lad you talk about experience the, the first guy that I fought had had something like 115 fights and he'd been in there with Dylan White and Derek Chisora at heavyweight so um, Callum who I'm fighting next probably hasn't got uh, anywhere near as experienced as the last lad I fought um, but obviously he's, he boxes differently and he's, he's again another style of opponent and that's what it's all about get someone who's tall get a southpaw get someone who's tough and durable get them rounds in and, and just learn as much as you can when eventually you can challenge for some titles in some really tough fights again lads with uh, much stronger records and, and then hopefully you've got the experience and that learning and, and you can win something Activity is a massive part of it and we, you've just talked about it there about obviously the amateur side of the career and not not very active, it was on and off for, for 10 years, now you're professional you've got your second pro fight since March, we're now in July are you looking to maybe get one or two more in for the rest of this year now? Definitely, definitely, yeah, I know I'll, I'll definitely get one in, um, I'll have to have a chat to Johnny and see if, see if we can get to him but obviously there's, there's three or four of our lads from my town uh, that are professional as well so um, it's, it gets hard to sell tickets when you've got three or four lads boxing three or four times a year because you, it's a small town and there's a lot of people um, that are going to be going having to decide between whose fights to go to so I think three or four is, is a good number of uh, fights to have a year for me definitely. It's massive that you know it's not something I actually knew you know like obviously where you, where you come from it's a barrow in Furness it's uh, like you say it's a small town and with there being three or four lads that, that come out of there and three or four lads that are well liked and well followed on social yeah. media like yourself it's uh, it must actually be really really difficult to try and you know put them ticket sales out and get people in especially at certain points of the year like now it's it's summer holidays kids have just finished with school and people are going to want them to go abroad and you know all the rest of it so as, as a guy like yourself it must it must be difficult you know to try and fit everything in like that and try and get them ticket sales out and I think a lot it, of people it, a lot of people appreciate it it is it is it is hard um, um, there's always something coming up um, and you'll never get away from that I think last time uh, on my debut it was the Anthony Joshua fight um, so everyone wanted to watch that instead of our fight that was uh, on Liam Conroy's on the card I think this time it's summer and towards the end of the year there'll be a lot of people saving at Christmas so you'll never get away from that but fortunately enough Barrow being a small town everyone kind of get behind the, the supporters and myself and Liam um, and Ross Cooksey we, we, we tend to get good support uh, if we fight three or four times a year people tend to try and get to them fights it's obviously difficult um, with so many of us being professional but we, we tend to sort of fill the coach and everyone goes away and supports the lads from, from Barrow and, and tries to get behind us I know on my debut I remember walking out and, and everyone was just screaming it was absolutely class like so Talking of support then Goldie uh, going back to the, the fans the guys that have supported you for the ticket sales go back to the guys that have also supported you company wise you know the sponsorships the people that help you get to that because you know like you say you've got a day job you have to work as 
as well to be able to financially support yeah. yourself but the sponsors also play a massive part in it don't they they do yeah especially when I first turned over like um, I don't know how much people are listening know but it costs quite a lot of money to when you, when you first set up you've got to pay for brain scans you've got to pay uh, the boxing board fees and, and all that sort of stuff uh, and medicals so I was pretty fortunate that a few local businesses were, were keen to get on board and sponsor me early on because that helped pay for all that initial stuff um, I think furnished tiles and flooring was one of them um, I have like James Tyson who's a local barber chamois massage therapist and then sort of as I, as I started off my career um, I had a couple of local lads that were willing to sort of pay for all my supplementation and stuff so Cade Kendall and, and DS Fitness um, did that uh, then I had a butcher that was uh, keen to supply me with meat so I was pretty lucky there and then one of my main sponsors is also my strength and conditioning coach Matty Green he runs Cumbria Strength and Conditioning um, and it's like a huge facility and it's got all that good stuff that you see on Instagram it's got tyres you can flip sledgehammers you can bang it's got a big um, pull up rig and, and sort of ropes battle ropes and all that good stuff plus he's a very no- knowledgeable guy he does like a lot of mobility work and, and makes sure that your sort of body's functioning properly and if you've got any weaknesses he'll work on them and he works with myself and Liam as well and, and you can just see by Liam's uh, record recently all the knockouts he's been getting that he's definitely definitely gained some strength and power over the course of his career so hopefully I'll get the same sort of results in Matty Absolutely well it's going to be uh, a great show on Friday night at the Macron uh, decent decent place to go and fight as well it's uh, becoming a bit of a venue uh, as of the past couple of years now a lot of uh, promoters are doing shows there so you should get a good crowd it should be a really great night for you uh, really I've looking not for... been there myself really I've, not, I've never even been in there Have you not? Oh I tell you what you'll, no. uh, you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it because you know you, it's, it's a good card that, that MTK are putting on and obviously you get your crowd there as well and it, it does with with the right crowd it can be an absolutely booming place to be uh, and like 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 I say it's um, a lot of promoters in the northwest are using that place recently uh, so I know that when you get there on Friday and, and obviously the the little butterflies will be there we know for a fact they will <laughs> but um, when when you come out and you hear that you know the support that, that's that's going to be the best part for you and then getting in there and getting the job done but um, yeah. I'm looking forward to it for you Gordy and uh, I'm, I'm glad uh, that to see you back out again and uh, good luck for Friday night thanks very much Sean cheers cheers so there you go interview with Michael McGoldrick there ahead of his fight on the MTK show tomorrow uh, in Bolton at the Macron Stadium uh, moving on then Hamed let's move back on to this weekend uh, big match room show to talk about we'll talk about a few of the fights on there I think first and uh, move on to the uh, Mikey Garcia Easter Junior fight and then a bit of a bit of a roundup really more than anything so I want to really start and talk talk about the top of the bill um, Joseph White uh, Joseph White <laughs> Joseph Parker and Dillian White uh, heavyweight clash uh, really good heavyweight clash um, this 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 fight is getting a bit of criticism because they put it on pay-per-view um, I've actually been in a bit of a Twitter Twitter spat this week funnily enough and uh, with uh, another Twitter user about this this card because I said um, it's a, it's a, they've turned it into a decent card really considering when it was first announced it was just Parker and White on uh, pay-per-view and, and now they've actually put some really good fights on there and I'd probably say there's about three or four 50-50 fights on that card now and uh, that's 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 not normal for Matchroom because normally they're, they're 
there's a lot more um, there are a lot more sort of one way fights you know uh, the, the the prospect against the, the journeyman or, uh, or the experienced pro against the novice pro and this time we've got more 50-50 fights and I think the Dillian White Joseph Parker is a is a 50-50 fight for sure because they're, they're both at a stage of the career now where you know a, a win here pushes them back into the con- contention uh, Dillian White's not had his shot at the world title yet you know he he'd actually deserves it I think he's really improved and I was talking to someone on Facebook a couple of days ago and they was asking me about my prediction for this fight and uh, what I said was Dillian White's going to win and I think the reason he's going to win is because since he's lost to Anthony Joshua uh, he's come out he's changed the way he fights he's not as emotionally involved anymore he picks his shots a little bit better than he did before uh, he doesn't rush in as much uh, he's a bit smarter I mean the fight with Chisora yeah it was styles make fights and that was a fantastic fight uh, and people will say yeah but he looked really sloppy and you know he got hit a lot and caught a lot he did he did but again he kind of got himself emotionally involved too much and I think he's, he's really really brought it back and especially in the, the, the fight with Lucas Brown I mean he really really put on a dominant performance and taking nothing away taking nothing away from him there Hamid uh, Lucas Brown wasn't in the best of shape however he's a massive puncher and if he would have caught Dillian White would have caught White with one of them shots then you know we might have had a different story there but White for me is, is the winner in this one Parker uh, we talked about him before uh, struggled against Joshua couldn't really get near him referee wouldn't really let Parker get near Joshua either so we didn't really see how much of, of Parker could get onto Joshua uh, but it was a good boxing performance from Joshua so they're both at stages where they've been beat by Anthony Joshua different versions of him and uh, this win for either men uh, either of the men will get him back into title contention uh, with a potential future fight against Anthony Joshua really good fight I'm really happy this has been made um, I think a lot of people are happy about this fight but weren't so happy about the card itself but this fight then Hamed what's your assessment on it predictions for it How, what do you think about the, the card I agree with you uh, did you say you got into a Twitter spat about uh, you know, being on pay-per-view uh, yeah you know, someone uh, what it was was so I, uh, I put a post out on social media about the D- Dave Allen and Nick Webb fight being announced this week and I thought it was uh, yeah. I thought it was a decent decent sort of fight to be put on the card and the, 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 the kind of spat was really there was that uh, the, the, the other fellow was saying it was a, a very poor card and I was thinking to myself well hang on a minute you've got uh, Cedric Cedric Paynard and Conor Ben who went life and death with each other in the last fight you've got Anthony Fowler Craig O'Brien which is a fight uh, uh, you know of two novice undefeated pros at the same stage of the career you've got Katie Taylor and Kimberly Connor uh, you did have Sam Eggington and Brandon Cook but obviously that's been called off now because of the injury to uh, to Eggington Chisora and Carlos Takam you know that's a sort of battle of the gatekeepers I think we'd call that one it's uh, you know but I think I think it'd be a decent fight and I think the card they've made it into a bit more of a worthy pay-per-view card because I've seen matchroom shows before that I've had the headline main event and then an absolute shower of shite on the undercard and this isn't this is this has got about three or four decent fights on there and 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 that's what the spat was about they were arguing that it wasn't pay-per-view worthy they were arguing that it was a very poor card I think the words that they were used was very poor um nah it's not a very poor card this is a decent card for match room actually and um I'll, I'll, I'll argue to the hill whoever whoever wants to argue with me about it because I do think this is one of the better cards that they put on for pay-per-view 
I think uh, I'm just going to say I agree with what you're saying, but I agree where people are coming from. Uh, I don't think it's uh, the greatest card, if I'm being honest. I think um, there's been a lot of pullouts, there's been a lot of uh, controversy surrounding some of the fights. I think um, Dave Allen getting that fight on two weeks' notice. I, I don't, I don't think that's it. Like, if we're trying to warranty that a pay-per-view, uh, for the record, I, I don't think this is a pay-per-view fight. That's your fight, Dylan White and uh, Joseph Parker. I don't think it's a bad fight. I think it's a good fight, but I don't. If this is pay-per-view, then I'm not too sure what is a pay-per-view now because uh, I'm getting kind of sick of pay-per-views. There's too many pay-per-views, but I agree. Kind of, I think the card is not bad. But I mean. There's a lot of pros and cons in the card. When they first got announced, they were saying it's going to be Blackie again. I think it was Summers, then they said, uh, then they said it was uh, McCalkin, the guy that challenged Kovalev, maybe on the, to replace him, which would have been a, not a bad step of a fight. And you had Cal uh, Brook and Brandon Cook. Cal uh, Brook and Brandon Cook and Dagon, I think, shelf because Brook got injured or supposedly had to pull out. But then you had Eggington and Brandon Cook, and that's been uh, pulled off. Uh, pulled apart. I mean, the card, when the card got made, I thought the two heavyweight fights were kind of making the card. I, I like it when it's a double header, and I think that's what a lot of people will probably make it out. Is it similar to when Joshua fought Parker, you had Povetkin and Price on the undercard? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that was the greatest fight, but it wasn't a bad fight, I and mean, it was a good scrap they had. I think Chisora and Takam is a good fight. I don't think it's probably what could have been one, once was. Uh, I think Chisora maybe is past his prime and a couple of years might be going on too long. Uh, but nonetheless, he put up a good fight to Dylan White. I, I don't think the card is that bad, if I'm being honest. But is it worth £15 or pay-per-view? I, I don't think. Is it worth uh, uh, the headline? Is it worth pay-per-view warranty? No, I don't think so. But the actual card, uh, going back to the point, yeah, it's not a bad fight on top of the card. And I think it's a good headline. Fight. Um, uh, as for the fight, I agree with what you said. I got the same feeling. I think Dillo White will probably might do this. Uh, he might pull it off. Uh, when the fight got made, I, I kind of had a hunch. I thought um, that Parker would probably be the favourite if they fought. But I mean, we can't just go on pa- uh, past results. I mean, a lot of people are saying that Parker went the distance and, and with Joshua and Dillo White got knocked out. What do you make of that? Do you think we can read anything into that, or do you think uh, Styles make fights? No, I think Styles make fights. I, th- I, th- I think the last really I think when um, Joshua and White fought each other what we're back in the 2015 so we're talking three years ago we're talking quite quite a few fights ago now as well and both have gone on to do different things in their careers and I think the loss to Joshua was probably the best thing that happened to White because it's made him drop his, his, his cocky attitude completely and he's come back and uh, like I said he's not emotionally charged as he was that fight with Joshua he, he was all emotion he fought on pure emotion in that fight uh, and an injured shoulder as well after the second round so to be fair to him if, if there was if there was to fight again if that fight was to ever happen again uh, you know I'd give White a lot more of a chance you know the the, the second time around uh, it would be it be a really good fight it would be a worthy fight it would be uh, an interesting fight but the fight that we're talking about here is the Parker one and I, I don't think you can compare the two fights because I think it was three years apart there when they fought and they were at different stages of their career and I think Joshua now is he's, he's been life and death with Klitschko you know he's had some he's had some great wins uh, you know on the back of, of, of his win over Klitschko and, and he's at a different stages of the careers and, and Parker for me I did say this in, in, in this comment that I made on Facebook actually when you, if you want to break it down for Parker's last few performances they've actually not been that great I don't think he looked great against Andy Ruiz I think he struggled against Takam 
uh, Huey Fury fight, he, he, you know, that, really, a lot of people said he lost that fight. I mean, he was only lucky because I don't think Fury was uh, positive enough to, to have won it. I think he, Fury lost himself that fight, Huey Fury. Um, and then, obviously, the Joshua fight. And, yeah, he, he looked like he was trying to give it his all. I think the referee got involved way too much. And I don't know if we would have seen a different story. I think um, maybe we would have seen a bit more of a life and death style of fight, more of a, uh, a fight that more people would have wanted to have seen. But when you when you break it down like that, and you think about the fights that he's had recently, uh, Joseph Parker, actually, um, they've not been they've not been great. But this this is a fight that will will hopefully we'll get to see, and I think it'll be like a phone a phone box fight because I think none of them will take a backward step, and there'll be a lot of inside fighting. But I think Dillian White will come off the victor. Uh, I I think you made a lot of good points. I think you touched the nail on the head. Uh, with Joseph Parker, I think uh, in the last couple of fights he hasn't looked that good, and I think that's a major factor of why I'm kind of hesitant now of picking him. Uh, initially, I thought Joseph Parker might win it on points, so might just get the r- rubble the green and get the benefit of the doubt if he goes to a decision. I'm not too sure now. I think being in the UK, Parker, like you said, hasn't looked that good. I disagree slightly. I don't think he struggled against Takam. I-, I think that was a good fight and a good learning fight. I think he did well against Takam. I was actually impressed. I think David D said the same thing. He said he was impressed as well. Because I think Takam showed against Joshua as well. He's a very durable, uh, tough opponent. I think the fights where he struggled were with Andy Ruiz, like you said. I think he wasn't that impressive. I think he arguably some people thought he drew or lost that fight I thought he won that uh, he done enough to win about 7 or 8 rounds I don't think he was that impressive if I'm being honest I think against Hugh Fury I think he was very uh, he, he looked very bad at times I think he was kind of swinging lunging in and Hugh Fury was picking him off it's just Hugh Fury was not active enough and he was on the back foot for too long then Yui Fury was not initiated in action. I think Parker won it. I gave it to Parker, basically. I think I thought there was a draw and it could have been 7-5 either way. I think I gave it 7-5 to Parker, I think, because he was initiated in action. He was landing the hardest shots, but he wasn't that impressive. And uh, Against Joshua, I wasn't too impressed in the early rounds, but I think he had to do what he did. But overall, I was kind of impressed. I think he kind of rejuvenated himself, because I don't think many people expected him to go the distance. But I've always said Joseph Parker has never been knocked down or out, so if Joshua could knock him out, then that would be a statement. And I kind of predicted I actually met Joshua before that fight, and I we were just I think I asked him and going through and we were going through predictions, and I think I said to him it probably good points. Uh, I was actually right about that. I think I called it down the middle, and I think Joseph Parker did well. I think the referee kind of ruined the fight. I don't think he ruined the outcome of the fight, but he ruined the flow of the fight and what type of fight it was. Uh, but this fight, I think the referee is the key again, and the judges, but. I think if it goes the distance in a close fight, I don't think Joseph Parker gets back to any favours. I mean, he was he was lucky or got the rub of the green or was got a favour from the judges in the Yuri fight. A lot of people were quite surprised when the cards were read out because it was two one eighty one ten cards, and I think uh, that was a bit too wide. I thought Joseph Parker, if he won that fight, was about eight to seven five, eight four to Parker in Yuri I think if it's like this again, I don't think he'll get the benefit of the doubt. That's why I think Dilla White probably is a slight favourite. Nonetheless, I think in the fifth. 55 is a great fight. I'm not too sure if it'll be a great fight. Uh, Dilla White was in a very bad fight with Robert Hellenius, but that was one of the only few. So I'm not I'm not saying um, 
Dina White is not a crowd pleaser because I think he is a crowd pleaser in his fights with Joshua and his fights with uh, Derek Cesaro and Lucas Brown. Those are all exciting fights. It's just Joseph Parker. I think he's had a tendency to get a bit lazy in a lot of these fights and he's kind of fought down to his level. Now, if he does that again, we could be in for a bad fight. But I think, I think I'm kind of with you on this. I think he should be a good fight. I'm not too sure if, he's, if he'll, if the pay-per-view customers will be satisfied with the fight in the card or the critics uh, who are saying it's not a pay-per-view fight. But the actual fight, I think it could be a good fight. I mean, the clash of styles, if both of these guys don't take a back step like they're promising. And Joseph Parker was trying to get on the inside against Joshua. And if, he, if he's allowed to get on the inside by the referee, and I think if Dino White does what he does, uh, come in, come forward and uh, initiate the action like he does with uh, with his past uh, previous opponents, then I think it could be a great fight. Uh, I think I'll be surprised at one thing if it ends in a knockout. I don't think Joseph Parker hits as hard as uh, Joshua. I think Joshua is a concussive puncher and that's the reason I think he knocked out uh, White heavily. And that was, I thought, a bad knockout. Probably one of Joshua's best knockouts. And on the flip side, I don't think Dino White hits as hard because uh, I think Chisora went 12 rounds with him and Dino White threw everything at him. He's kind of wild and lunging in that fight. But, um, he didn't really show he's got the one-punch power. I think Joshua Wilder and I think in the last couple of years, hey, probably those three guys have been the biggest punches. And I think um, I think if you're throwing everything at Chisora, who is a durable guy, don't get me wrong. But if you're if you're struggling to put him down or put him off, then I think maybe that is a bit of a questionable a questionable over Parker's power. I think I do have questions over Parker's power, but. If anyone could get knocked off, then I think White could get knocked off. He has been soft before, but I'll be surprised. I think this fight will probably go 12 rounds. I think it could be a very good fight. Then. It is kind of a crossroads clash. I think the winner will probably go on to fight Joshua Fitz with Dina White. Then I think Joshua and Dina White will probably get that big rematch. I think if Parker wins, he could go on to fight the likes of Luis Ortiz fights this weekend, or maybe a Durante Wilder girl. I think I agree with everything, you, nearly everything you said. I think there's a couple of things that maybe I've got questions on. I think we need to let the fight play out and see how it is, but overall I, I agree with what you said. Yeah, uh, well, I think we'll touch on the rest of the card uh, just briefly before we uh, we sort of move on to the Mikey Garcia, uh, Robert Easter Jr. fight, and um, obviously I mentioned it earlier, Chisora, Takam, uh, I'm expecting a pretty decent fight between them two, we've got Katie Taylor versus Kimberly Connor, we've got Joshua Buazzi, uh I don't think an opponent's been announced for Buazzi yet, but I'm expecting Novice Pro, Journeyman possibly for Buazzi there, Connor Ben and Cedric Paynard should, on paper, after the last performance, be a, be a really good fight Anthony Fowler Craig O'Brien uh, battle of two novices like I said novice pros about you know five six seven eight sort of fights into their respective careers and uh, it should be a decent fight so there is some decent fights on the undercard to watch and um, I, I can see everybody's points about why they don't think it's pay-per-view I just think it's not as bad as what people are making out I think some people out there that are saying it's a, you know one of the worst cards I've ever they've ever seen I'm thinking no you clearly haven't watched no. box you, you haven't watched boxing for that long then have you no 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 I, I agree with you on that I, even I've been very critical uh, I'm not really a pay-per-view uh, a fan I, I really open pay-per-view I think I think uh, open the odd three pay-per-views like Pacquiao De La Hoya I think maybe maybe the Pacquiao and I think there's maybe I think one of my brothers opened the Golovkin Brock fight which I was at but very rarely we open pay-per-views I think maybe Joshua Klitschko is probably one of the pay-per-views rare pay-per-views which I thought was very worth opening and I think which got justified I very rarely 
up on pay-per-views. I'm not a fan of boxing. Uh, all has been on pay-per-view. I think in this country, they're always on pay-per-view. But I agree with you. I think the Joshua Tacknam card was very bad. I don't think this card is that bad. I think uh, I think I agree with you. Some people are being a bit harsh. I think it's just the lack of uh, pull-outs and some of the fights that didn't materialize or have been scrapped. I think that's where the frustration lies. Yeah. But I don't think it's a bad card. Uh, I was just going to add chime in with one thing. I, think, I was just going to ask, what do you think of the Joshua Tacknam fight? Uh, do you... Do you think you know who's going to win that fight or do you have like a prediction in mind? Do you, do you reckon uh, this fight is more easier to call than the, say Dilla White and uh, Joseph Parker fight? Oh, you know what? To be honest with you, uh, I couldn't call it if I'm being honest here because I think you've mentioned it earlier on that Chisora is past his best and I, I, I'd agree with that. We've definitely seen him past his best. I think Takam has probably got a little bit left more in the tank and if you, I think if you're going to go for anybody in this fight based on form and based on performances, I think you'd have to favour more Takam than you would Chisora and... I, th- I think I'm. I think I'm going to stick with the sort of Takam over twelve rounds in this one. I think they're both shown that they're both durable twelve round fighters, and they can both go the distance. But I just think Takam has got a little bit more left in the tank than what Chizora has uh, in, in, in terms of the boxing career. And sometimes Chizora turns up and he just doesn't look like he wants to be there. And whereas Takam, he turns up every time, regardless of who he's fighting. Uh, he turns up every time and he tries his best, and and, and that's all you can ask out of a fighter. And and I think that's where I'm going to go with it. I think uh, Takam wins over 12, and uh, I think we'll I think we'll see maybe uh, a bit of a hug fest in this one. I don't think we'll see a slug fest. I'm saying it's more of a hug fest. Uh, you could be right. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure if this will be a bad fight. I think this could turn out to be a good fight. I think Kalas Takam very rarely is in a dull fight. Uh, I think the only maybe Joshua fight. It's kind of, I thought, boring, but I thought he's been in a good fight with Povetkin and uh, uh, Joseph Parker, as I, I remember his name. Yeah, that was the fight. Uh, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think Takam is probably the slight favorite. I'm not too sure what Chizora's got left in the tank. I think he's been beaten by Pulev. I, I think the Dilla White fight could have been either way. It could have been a draw. I thought Dilla White nicked it, but I think a draw was maybe more fair. I think he lost to someone in Monaco as well. I forgot the guy's name. I can't remember the back of my head. But yeah, I agree with you. But I think the, I find it harder to predict the White Parker fight. I'm not too sure what version of White and Parker we took in that fight. I think with this fight, I think we know what Carlos Takam is, and I think we know what Chizora brings. Uh, I agree with you. I think Takam is probably the slight favorite. Yeah, well, let's move on then let's get to the Mikey Garcia Robert Easter Jr. fight this weekend as well that uh, we need to watch out for and you made a good point earlier on uh, I don't think he's actually being televised over in the UK so I don't think we're actually going to get to see it over here unless unless I'm wrong unless someone's actually picked it up at this point but uh, I don't think anybody has so I'm going to be a little bit disappointed not to be able to uh, actually catch it uh, until Sunday I mean I don't, I'd probably only watch on Sunday morning anyway to be fair but it's, it's one of them where it'd be nice to be able to have it on record to watch the next morning but now I'm going to have to rely on the wonders of YouTube and and, and somebody that you know might have stuck it on there for us to be able to watch the next day but uh, IBF title WBC title on the line Robert Easter Jr uh, undefeated as well uh, really good fight I don't think a lot of people are giving Robert Easter Jr a chance in this one um, I think that's a bit a bit unfair but I mean I think you've got to kind of compare records and I think that's what it is uh, between the two I think 
you look at the last few fights of uh, Mikey Garcia's and you've had the Zlatikanin fight, the Broner fight, the Lipinets fight and now Robert Issa Jr. Whereas Robert Issa Jr. is, uh, you know, he's a Javier Fortuna, Denis Shavikov, Lewis Cruz and Richard Comney in his last few fights. So I think that's why kind of a lot of people are saying, yeah, Mikey Garcia is something special. He's going to walk through Robert East Jr. this weekend. How do you see this fight going down, Hamad? I think this is uh, a very good matchup. But yeah, I agree with you. It's a shame that it's not on TV or televised uh, in the UK. Uh, I think uh, I think I kind of know who's, who I think is going to win. Uh, I, I might be wrong. You never know in boxing. I mean, that's why they fight the fights. But I think uh, Mikey Garcia is uh, rightly so favourite. Uh, I'm not too sure if he win by knockout or decision, but I think he is a clear favourite. I, I don't think I've been too impressed with Robert Easton's last fight. Uh, I think I'm going to probably call it for a knockout. I think Mikey Garcia should stop Robert Easton. I think Robert Easton has been kind of lucky in a couple of his fights. I think against Fortuna, I thought he arguably lost. Or was, I think could have been a draw. I think one of them had a point to touch. I think there's Fortuna. But I think also the fight to Shafikov, a lot of people thought... Easter got the benefit of the doubt and was given some wide scores. I think he's been lucky in the last couple of fights. If I'm being honest, I think it's a good unification fight, good matchup. But I think Mikey Garcia is the rightly favourite. I think that's why he probably chose Easter. Good fight for me. It is a good fight. But I can only see one winner in it. And I think it's Mikey Garcia. And I think we're going to eventually see Mikey Garcia go on for the massive fights that have been proposed to him in the future. And you've got people like George Foreman. And George Foreman, he keeps on saying on Twitter, uh, people will start believing me soon that Mikey Garcia is a special fighter. And I think, uh, you know, if he makes a statement this weekend, I think more and more people will start to believe that. I think it, what it is is um, they've not seen him in with a very elite fighter. And I think once he gets that very elite fight, you know, like the likes of Triple G and Canelo type of fight I think once you get that sort of level of fight and he picks up a win in that I think that's when people will really believe it's a shame that they don't believe it now but I think that's what it's going to take to get Mikey Garcia up to that elite level but you know at 38 and 0 he looks phenomenal and he looks like he's going to be uh, on top of the world very shortly so I'm looking forward to seeing if uh, a big fight comes off for him if he picks up the victory this weekend which I think he will I've, I've, I've got no Can I just Go on. Can I just try with that? I, I agree with that. I think he is a top there. Clearly a top 10 powerful power fighter. I think he's actually a top 5 powerful fighter. I think if he wins this fight this weekend, I think I'd put him probably in the top 5 or 6. I think at the moment I've got Lomachenko, Crawford. I think people put him either way. I think I've got Lomachenko 1. Negosi 3. I think 4. I've got Sorong Visai. And maybe 5. I think I've got Golovkin. I think maybe those two could switch around. I think I know he may be above just behind Mikey Garcia. I think I've got Mikey Garcia 6. I think you can put him top five, but I think if he does a real number on Robert Easter, he's a unified champion in a weight class and he'll be a four-weight champion and... Uh Robert Easter is unbeaten. If he does a number on him, I think you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give him credit. I think he'll, uh, he'll definitely be rated a lot higher than he is. Because I think a lot of people are trying uh, to draw too much attention. The fact that he took, I think, two or three years out because he had a, a problem with promo- promotion. I think it was a top rank at Bob Arum, and I think since then he's only really beaten one credible, maybe two credible opponents. I think the Lipanets, but I don't think Lipanets is that known to the casual fan base of the mainstream 
big fans and I think it's just Adrian Broner but I mean Adrian Broner is a bit like uh, he's a bit like uh, uh, what's the word he's a bit like chalk and cheese with him sometimes <laughs> you could get two complete different performances from him like well, you don't know what you're getting with him and I, I don't think many people rate Adrian Broner that highly and I think if he beats Easter I'll be maybe three I think unbeaten fighters he, uh, two sorry unbeaten fighters back to back he'll have beaten along with Lippinets I think Lippinets was unbeaten yeah, unless uh, I'm mistaken uh, correct me if I'm wrong but that'll be a very good win and I think this fight will definitely take Mike in the right direction I think you made a very good point he needs a Golovkin or Canelo type I think that could be a Lomachenko or Pacquiao fight yeah. I think that's the fight he needs to target I think maybe a Pacquiao fight might be a natural he's talking about Errol Spence but I think Spence is way too big and I'm not really a fan of that fight uh, I think Spence and Mike Garcia won the two weight classes uh, separate I think Mike Garcia's uh, career best maybe 140 fighter at the moment I think Errol Spence is arguably a junior middleweight uh, I, I don't mind the Pacquiao fight I think if Pacquiao and Mikey Garcia fight that will be probably a better matchup than the Lomachenko fight because of the size I don't think there's be much in the size I think it's probably a natural fight to make at maybe 140 or 147 because I think Pacquiao is not really a big lottery uh, and if he's at 140 that will be a good matchup as well but uh, yeah I agree I think Mike Garcia just needs a big name and I think that he could get that if he wins this fight uh, in an impressive fashion after that he, he'll have to try winning in emphatic fashion I think to get the uh, get the noise he wants, uh, I think he wants to try and draw in one of these uh, big names in the ring with him. Next, yeah. Well, let's move on. Let's get to the final bit now, Hamid. Uh, I know you've, um, I know you can hear the, the the sirens going off around you, and uh, I know you've been a busy busy lad this evening. So um, we'll get to the final bit of the show, and uh, let's touch on some of the stuff that's been going on over the past couple of weeks. And I know you uh, was quite eager to touch on the World Boxing Super Series, uh, not the obviously Usyk fight, but actually the announcement of the two tournaments, the the bantamweight and the super lightweight tournaments, and obviously now. At this point, we've had the draws. Uh, super lightweight, super lightweight division. We've got uh, Regis Prograi against Terry Flanagan. We've got Josh Taylor, Ryan Martin, Kuro Relic uh, against Edward uh, Travanovsky, and you've got Ivan uh, Bartarek against Anthony Yigit. Uh, there are they are the super lightweight fights which we've got. Which um, I think there's a few names in that that category there that that are not household names at the moment. Uh, that that a lot of people will know, casual people will know. But I think if you hardcore boxing fan I think you'll probably pretty much know every fighter on that list then you've got the bantamweight one as well which is a, a, a really good really good one and I think that's the more exciting uh, one of the uh, the two this time round I think we've got Ryan Burnett and Anita Dunair you've got Neo Anue and Juan Carlos Payano Zelani Tete and uh, Mikhail Ayalon and then you've got Emmanuel Rodriguez uh, against Jason Maloney so uh, I think for me really really glad that they've brought uh, another the two different weight categories to the table and they've managed to secure all the real great fighters of the division and the champions and I think the the one that stands out more for me is, is the bantamweight one and I think it's because uh, they've got a lot more really well-known names in this particular one than they have in the super lightweight one I think and uh, I think that's what excites me more I think you've got the likes of Tete, Rodriguez, Anue, Burnett, Nonito Donaire in there you know they're, 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 there's what five names out of the eight that are already well-known names uh, across the world so you know this is going to be a really really good tournament and then you've got the super lightweight one and, uh, and then you've got the likes of Terry Flanagan, Regis Pagrai, Josh Taylor, uh, Kirill Relic 
and then you've got Anthony you get and I think the Ryan Martin's quite well known over in America now but I think with the, the others again it's a kind of unless you're a hardcore boxing fan you're not really going to be followed their careers up until this point but uh, Hamed over to you then what do you think about uh, the announcements the matchups uh, the tournament itself I think these tournaments are good. I think the crucial way to win is a success. Uh, I think the Super Middleweight maybe domestically was not too bad, but I think it's just gone on too long. I think I think we just want to see the final with Groves and Smith. Uh, uh, going back to your point, with this tor- two tournaments announced, uh, been announced, I think um, very two very interesting weight categories. I think I wanted to see one in the... Uh, is it a bantamweight or super bantamweight? Isn't it? Bantamweight, bantamweight, yeah, bantamweight. bantamweight. And I, I think a light junior, a light a super lightweight, as yeah. they call it as well, is not bad as well. I think that's an open division. Uh, I think you got Progray, Josh Taylor, and I think you got. I don't think Ramirez is in there. Who was that? There was another name. I think is it Tyron Fanagan? Yeah, that's the one. I think that's not a bad tournament as well. I'm looking forward to the bantamweight one with Tete Inui and uh, Ryan Burnett. I think that's a very good tournament. You got know I mean three world champions in there, and I think um, I think you got another champion. I think is the guy that beat uh, Paul Butler. I forgot his name. Yeah, Rodriguez, Rodriguez, that's yeah. And I mean, you got Nuno who's uh, who's been around the game for a long time. I'm kind of spe- skeptical about him moving down so much weight. I think um, he's dropping down from featherweight to all the way to bantamweight. That's about ten pounds. They're very dangerous to do that, but he's still a name, and it'll be exciting for him to be fighting someone like uh, Ryan Burnett. I think he's in better days, but I think you got a lot of names in the bantamweight tournament. I'm looking more forward to the bantamweight one, but I'm very happy that they've got these two quickly underway announced. And it looks like we're ready to go for September. I think I'm looking standout um, fights or fighters. I think Inui is probably the standout fighter, along with probably uh, Tete in the bantamweight one. Uh, Burnett as well, but I'm not too sure if Burnett could get through this in one piece. I think he's got some very tough fights in there, and some very world class and very good fighters in there. Uh, as for the uh, junior welterweight one, I'm looking forward to Josh Taylor, Tenny Flanagan getting into this tournament I think that's really good that we got two domestic fighters in the same tournament and uh, I think Progre is the one that we want to see how good he is because I think I didn't think uh, I think we didn't touch on the fight but he had a fight with uh, Velasco a couple of weeks ago very entertaining fight I thought he's a very entertaining fighter and I'd like to see more of Progre I think he's been very good since he become uh, I don't know if he's a world champion or is he interim champion. I think he beat Ndongo in the in the two round knockout in his hometown. A very spectacular fashion, and I think he's kind of resonated well in the junior welterweight division. I think him and Josh Taylor are probably the two favourites or two guys uh, boxers in the weight class are probably tournament that uh, you are looking at probably to clash in the final. But you know, very good news that uh, we've got these two tournaments underway and ready to go in September, and hopefully we'll get more. Maybe in the light division and maybe maybe in the welterweight or, or featherweight division I'd like to see more of these tournaments I think it's probably the best way to go about getting an undisputed champion in the weight class or if you can't get all the champions at least you could get the best fighter in the weight class and this is probably the best format or tournament to go about that yeah no I agree well moving on then quickly to the Joshua Povetkin announcement we did talk about it about three weeks ago when we was last on the podcast it's finally been announced we finally got the announcement of the fight we did say we think it was going to happen and it has uh, 22nd of September at Wembley it's a fight that we expected to happen and, 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 and I think realistically now I think we know 
where this is going to go. Uh, I think we were expecting uh, a Joshua win, and I think we were expecting a big fight in April. Uh, everyone's hoping it's the Wilder fight, but I just get this sneaking, sneaking suspicion. I've said this before, and people who listen to the podcast will know what I've said, and I said the way this is going to go down is we're going to see Povetkin first, and then we're going to see Jarrell Miller, and then we're going to see the Wilder fight later on next year. And I think that's for me, is how this is going to go down, and I do expect it to go down that way I'd like to see the Wilder fight next I think the world would like to see the Wilder fight next but it, it kind of feels like they're the, the, the slowly building it up they keep pushing it and building it and then when it feels like it's going to get there it drops down back to square one but there's all these other little fighters in the background that uh, you know you've got your Povetkins you've got your Jarrell Millers you know giving giving a bit of grief to uh, to Joshua uh, that video on social media and uh, Joshua's effing and jeffing at him and you know you, you actually see the real side of Joshua then really not the side the, the the media side of Joshua that you know the guy that knows how to talk to the cameras you actually saw the real Joshua when he's effing and jeffing at him and calling him a pussy and all sorts of stuff and I think that's uh, I think that's where we get to see the real the real man behind the uh, the, the TV cameras but um, yeah I think Jarrell Miller's after after the Povetkin fight I mean obviously I'm, I'm saying it like he's going to beat Povetkin easily Povetkin all it takes is one punch for him to uh, to completely upset the apple cart but I think uh, odds on that Joshua will probably beat Povetkin in this one go on to April Jarrell Miller for me is next and then Wilder but go back to the Povetkin fight then and Hamed what do you think about it happy it's finally been announced and looking forward to it I think this was the worst kept secret in boxing uh, <laughs> I don't think many people uh, uh, I don't think many people like thought there was someone else going to be announced I think everyone knew that Povetkin was the guy that Josh was going to find next I'm quite surprised they've already announced two dates uh, I think I heard on another podcast I, I don't think this was announced overnight I think this was planned all along by Eddie Hearn I think Eddie Hearn will probably want the world to fight sooner, sooner rather than later I think he wants it probably at a later date I think they could I think I'll get 80,000 fans back at the stadium against the mandatory challenges or against other top 10 opponents and I think Hearn will probably prefer that than a, a dangerous fight with Wilder. I think he's going to try and milk that fight and yeah and uh, and I was just going to say that uh, for the fight I think Povetkin uh, I think Povetkin is dangerous I don't think this is a, a, any easy given assignment uh, on any day Povetkin is a dangerous dangerous opponent I was there when he knocked out Price that was a huge vicious left hook I, I thought Price was hurt, seriously hurt and I think he was hurt for about 5, 10, 15 minutes he, was, he went down heavy and he was hurt as well I think um, I'm being serious I think uh, Joshua should win the fight uh, I'm not too sure if he'll either win on points or by knockout but I'll be quite surprised if Povetkin wins the fight uh, uh, if he wins the fight uh, I, I wouldn't rule it out I think he's got a chance but I will be quite surprised because I think uh, I think Joshua has shown that he's he is as good as uh, they've promoted him by beating Klitschko by beating Parker by beating everyone who's been in front of him but but I mean Povetkin is dangerous is he past his prime possibly I think he's seen better days but but I think another thing you've got to take into fact is age and I think 
Well, and uh, Povetkin has uh, been in a lot of wars and battles, and I think uh, uh, Joshua is the favorite, and I agree with you. But I, I see the ref how he let fight play out, and also uh, I think the thing is, uh, I'll be quite surprised if Jaron Miller he fights Jaron Miller next. I think uh, Povetkin next, and then Wilder would be the uh, suitable plan. But with him, you never know. I think maybe Fury, if they could get Fury in April, that wouldn't be a bad uh, plan. But I'm not too sure. Fury's got a fight announced September. But going back to Pepec and Joshua, uh, I'm not too mad at this fight. I think it's probably the second best fight after Joshua Wilder. Because uh, let's dig into consideration. Uh, Fury is not the moment 100%. And not fully fit. Uh, and another thing is, uh, Pepec is a former Olympic gold medalist, just like Joshua. Something Wilder ain't. Uh, I mean, he got two knockout punches. Uh, don't get me wrong, I want to see the Wilder fight sooner rather than later. But if if we got to wait till next year, I predicted. I didn't think the Wilder Joshua fight will happen this year. That's all right. I think Povetkin in September and then Wilder in April would be perfect with me. I just hope this Wilder situation doesn't turn into, excuse me, like the Floyd Mayer, the Manny Pacquiao situation, which went on and on for five years. I don't think it will. I think if they milk it, they could milk it for about two or three years. With heavyweights, it's very dangerous. I mean, like you said, Vetkin is very dangerous and all it takes is one. I mean, if Joshua leaves himself open, one left hook could end it for him. But uh, I think Joshua is the rightly favorite. If I'm uh, talking percentages, maybe 70, 30 is a bit wide. I think maybe about 60, 40, 65, 35. Joshua, heavy favorite. I think being in the UK and Wembley, in front of 89,000, I think Vetkin will have to throw the punch of his life or have to perform the performance of his life. I, I wasn't too impressed in his last fight. Uh, I give him credit for coming on the road and beating uh, Price. I think that's all his achievement. But I think he was dropped heavy and looked. He looked kind of gun. I don't want to say gun shy, but shot in a way. He's getting hit a lot. He's got, got hurt and got put down. But don't get me wrong, Price is a big puncher. So uh, let's not take away from that. But it's just uh, I, I don't think that was the same Povetkin that fought Klitschko in 2013. I think this Povetkin is about five years older. He's busted these a couple of times. He's had long spells of energy. He's got a lot of mileage on the car. So I think Joshua is a heavy favorite. Yeah, I, I think I tend to agree with uh, with everything you say in there. Uh, and- yeah, so I, I kept hearing myself. I can still hear myself. <laughs> oh, the good old podcasting on the uh, on the mobile. Eh? And, uh, this is what you get, guys, when you uh, when you do podcasting this way. You get the uh, the joys of um, <laughs> the joys of echoey echoey phones. Uh, Hamed, are you still there? Right, so we've got Hamed, we've got you back. We had a bit of a technicality issues there, but we've got you back. And uh, let's just finish the rest of the show off, and we'll just finish up on the um, the Andrade and Billy Joe Saunders fight you you wanted to talk about as well. Uh, it's, it's it's been announced. It's a, a deal between Warren and Hearn, which uh, I never thought I'd see happen anytime soon. But it looks like it's happening, and uh, it's on the uh, Dazan Network as well, by the looks of it. So a fight that I'm excited for. Both undefeated, uh, decent fight. Andrade. And Billy Joe Saunders, uh, problems with them two is that the uh, activity is not very good. You know, they, they have like one fight a year at the moment. And um, it's, uh, it's it's going to be one of them fights where you, you're not really going to know what to expect. But, I mean, judging off uh, Billy Joe's last performance, we're expecting Billy Joe to win. But Andrade, is you know, he's a, he's a dark horse in this one. He's uh, one that could really upset the apple cart if Billy Joe doesn't come into it 100% mentally focused. But... Again, Hamed, I'll let, you, I'll let you go for it. What did you want to say about this one? I think it's a good fight. Uh, I think it's a good fight as well. The fact that has been announced on Dazen. I think it's been announced for America. Uh, I agree. I didn't see um, uh, Warren and uh, Hearn ever striking a deal, but it's great that they've broken the 
a truce and they've actually made a fight. Uh, it's a very good fight, I think, uh, Saunders and Billy Joe Saunders and Andrade. I think Billy Joe Saunders will be the favourite, even though it's probably looking like that in uh, Andrade's hometown. It's for the WBO middleweight title, so I mean... If Saunders wins this fight, that could be in line for the winner of uh, Canelo and Triple G, uh, Golovkin, Gennady Golovkin. Uh, I think Billy Saunders is the favorite. I think Andrade is kind of unproven at middleweight. I think he's had one or two fights. I think he got dropped in his as well. He's been very inactive. Uh, I was sold on Andrade about four or five years ago, but he's been very inactive. I've kind of lost interest, track of his career. Uh, I'm not too sure with a lot of these Eddie Diamonds. Uh, Signed for Dazen in America. A lot of these guys are either rejects or guys who have been very. Uh, the guys who have not been fought very well. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm bad fighters. A lot of these guys have had promotional issues or kind of been rejected by maybe Show or one of the other promoters. The Andrade is a good fighter. Very skillful in his fight. Very good junior middleweight. So, well, the only thing is when they think, uh, I think maybe natural weight inside the activity coming to play. But if I'm being honest, uh, I'd have to say. Even though he's in Andrade's hometown, I'd have to favor the police or Saunders, either by decision or maybe maybe, uh, maybe a close debatable decision or maybe a wide decision. But I, I could see him putting down Andrade, but I wouldn't rule out Andrade. He's definitely live in this fight. I think it's a great clash of styles. Uh, we also got J Danny Jacobs and uh, Sergei Derevchenko for the IBF title. Uh, I think this is another good match. That's uh, that's uh, uh, that's two great middleweight matches. Matchups uh, in America and and just around the time Triple G and Canelo's September is very great. Uh, made, but hand on hand, if I'm being honest, I think Billy Joe Saunders is the favorite. I think the last fight he will surprise a lot of people. I thought he was going to win that fight, but I didn't think he'd win it that handily. He won like a level. I don't think Lemieux is any uh, level of Gassiev, but very one-sided performance and kind of exposed and um, made Gassiev, uh, not Gassiev, made uh, Lemieux look very bad and poor and. Uh, and Prana, very strong. the only thing is uh, he's been very inactive at times as well, same as his opponent in Andrade, but he's pulled out a lot uh, in a couple of fights, in a lot of past fights. That's the thing, I think he needs to put up his hand. But this fight's in America, so I'm not too sure what that lies with the British fans, but excuse me, but if I'm, if I'm uh, talking about the matchup on his uh, style, on his uh, on himself, I think it's a, maybe a 55-45 slight favorite for Bill but I can see it as a 50-50 matchup. If he's in uh, Andrade's hometown, then I mean Andrade uh, might want to put on a show. I mean uh, Lemieux, he, he's kind of been known to be a bit of a plodder, one-dimensional guy, uh, a bit of a slugger. I think Andrade has got more skills. He's more textbook. He's good. he's a bit more fluent. Billy Joe Saunders, I think, rated fighter. I think pound for pound, he's probably on skill level. He's probably in the top twenty. If I put it, yes, he hasn't got the names. I think at the moment to, for me to put him in that top ten. But I mean, if he cleans out this weight class and becomes undisputed champion, then I think you could put him in the top 10. I think uh, fight uh, is very good. He needed the victims uh, or Friday after the rematch for Saint. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying on this one. I think um, I think either way, it's going to be a great matchup and uh, the Jacobs fight is also a really good matchup around the same time and it's uh, really exciting times for, uh, for for British boxing as well and, and, and abroad and the Matchroom USA stuff as well, but um, 
Uh, for me, Hamed, uh, it's been uh, a very long and very warm evening back in the podcast, and um, I know it's been, it must be very warm where you are at the moment because you're out, <laughs> you're outside, out and about. So it must be a warm one for you. Um, but I've I've actually got nothing more at this moment for this week's episode. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we call it a, an evening? Yeah, it's been a very enjoyable to get back. A very good, enjoyable podcast. I'm just going to touch on one thing. What did you think of the whole Jarrell Miller? I, I know you touched on it, but we didn't dwell into it. I want to just get your feel. Do you think that type of uh, thing is good? Like, I don't know if it's... Um I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's fixed, but the whole Jarrell Miller and Anthony Joshua's whole beef or was it more of a, like an altercation on stage when they were announcing the Tazen deal for rectified Do you think that's good? Because even as a hardcore fan and a, as, a guy, as a guy who's been a critic of Matchroom, they've been known to do a lot of this WWE stuff and sideways shows. I was even kind of taking away, I was even watching it and I kind of found it amusing at times and I thought it kind of made me want Joshua to fight uh, Miller and knock him out because that was kind of disrespectful. But it's kind of all resonated to Christ. And, uh, do you think this type of thing, um, promotion, this side of promotion, with, I think Dana White maybe does it the UFC in America will help Eddie Hearn and Matchroom or it doesn't and do you think it helps maybe get better ratings or membership for his fights on doesn't and as long as as long as he makes the right match um, what do I think about it well I think it's um, it's, it's, just, it's it's a way of promoting the fights isn't it Jarrell Miller uh, he's undefeated he's what was it 21, 22 and 0 he wants to put his name out there he wants to become a heavyweight champion uh, what better way to do it than to Crash a press conference like that and um, say some words and, 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 and get some heat going. I mean, one of the most notable ones that I always will never forget is uh, the post-fight Chisora Klitschko when David Hay turns up and starts going in the Klitschko and then all of a sudden you see this altercation between Chisora and Hay, which was one of the uh, most sort of heinous despicable things you'd actually ever seen and it was um, it was one of the most memorable things I'd also ever seen at a press conference as well I mean obviously this didn't even go anywhere near it with Jarrell Miller but in the same sense what he's trying to do is he's trying to stoke up a bit more heat between them two and like I was saying earlier I I do think the Jarrell Miller fight will be next for Joshua if he beats Povetkin and I think this is just a pre this is just like a prelude to it this is to get them a bit of beef going already before and then you know if he beats Povetkin then that's the next fight they're going to announce for me that's that's the way it's going to be there's going to be beef between them then because there's going to be well you, you know you crashed my press conference and you had a few words to say about my family and blah de blah and, and I think that's the way they do it I mean is it good for the sport oh, I think it brings attention to it yeah that's for sure and I mean if every other sport does it and it's a way of, of, of selling the fights for the fighters we've got to remember at the end of the day these fighters want to make money and if they don't make money you know a lot of boxers don't make the money that they should make make and I think this is a way for these guys at this top level to kind of make as much money as they possibly can and if it means they have to promote the fight the way they do then so be it I mean there's been a lot of people over the years that you think to yourself these guys are absolute arseholes but then off camera away from the ring away from all the lights they're actually really nice people and that's because they want to sell the fight and they want to make something out of it and I, can, I honestly can't follow them for that sometimes it can get a bit WWE-ish I agree but in general it's uh, if you don't promote the fights yourself then who else is going to promote it for you you know yeah you've got Eddie Hearn probably the one of the best promoters out there at the moment but if you're not trying to sell the fight yourself and you're trying to sell yourself short in my eyes I think you touched on everything I think uh, Eddie Hearn could 
can sell to a very a very wide range. I think his uh, selling value is very big. I think um, I think I think he could probably sell uh, any fight if I'm with the general boxing public. If he wants to put the if he wants to put the uh, work into and match up these guys or uh, make his press conference what he wants to. Like I thought that was kind of uh, planned out. I'm not too sure if it's fits. I think uh, I think it's kind of. Uh, I think he knew what he was getting into. I think John Miller has been fresh broken and I think he worked and he kind of rubbed the Joshua the wrong way. He kind of got the tension he wants. I agree with you. I think probably good boxing. Yeah, no, I, I agree as well. And um, I think you no know, matter what happens, it brings attention to the sport. And I think that's what they want at the end of the day, especially when you, you've got the guys that are very early on in the career, like I say to you, you know, I had Mike McGoldrick on tonight on the show and, you know, second professional fight, he's got to go out there and try and sell tickets and train and do a full-time job at the same time. You know, when you get to the level of Anthony Joshua, Jarrell Miller... Vetkin. You don't have to do any of that. You know, you just literally have to say a few words, bad mouth them a few times, and the fight's sold. And you, you know, you've sold what twenty thousand, thirty thousand tickets, and you're making a lot of money. So yeah, it's a good thing. I think it brings a bit of attention to the sport. I mean, it, it, it's a few words. It's not like yeah, a massive altercation on the stage where there's fists flying. There's literally, you know, it's, it's it's a few bad words said about each other, and it stokes up a bit of beef for a future fight. So uh, it seems to be planned out pretty well, uh, to be honest with you but uh, no that's that's it for me Hamed uh, thanks for coming on I am really really happy to get back on the podcast um, appreciate you taking the time out it was a busy evening for both of us and um, uh, really happy looking forward to next week yeah I think we touched on everything uh, yeah it's been very hectic with work going on and I had to pop off so if you could hear any background noise or the listeners could hear it it was because I had to get this recorded outside but yeah it was good to get back on I think it was a lot long I think I kind of maybe rambled on a bit at times <laughs> but there's a lot to cover no there is three, week, three weeks of fights three weeks of I mean boxing and I think there's a lot to talk about I haven't really been on many other podcasts I think I've been on one or two here today I haven't talked about the last action but it's good to be back on uh, I look forward to next week yeah. no. brilliant well for everybody that's listening thanks for sticking with us you know where to find us now it's at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast on Facebook uh, you find us on SoundCloud, CastBox, Apple. Uh, you can find us everywhere. We're there. We're going to be posting it out. And thank you very much for listening. Hamed, thanks for coming on. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. You know what to do. Rate, review and subscribe. Uh, and we'll get back to you. We'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.